Good afternoon. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast from the Del Norte County Office of Education in the Del Norte County Unified School District. My name is Jeff Harris, and I am the superintendent for both the county and the district. And today we're going to be talking about inter-district transfers. Um, For a lot of folks, that doesn't mean too much, but that's one of the most exciting times of the year for others. So, um... Joining me today is Jeff Napier, and Jeff is the Assistant Superintendent for Business Services. So, welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you. Glad hey. to be here. So, so Jeff, you know, really, when we talk about interdistrict transfers um, in other counties, kids will go from district to district, and those are inter-district transfers. Since we're a single county district, um, we do intra district transfers, right? So that's school to school. So I know the answer to a lot of these questions I'm going to ask you, but feel free to dive on in and go for it. But um, uh, one question that I know sometimes we get is, do I need to fill out an intra-district transfer if I want my child to go to Castle Rock or USA? Uh, No, those are charter schools, so they have their own application process. And that doesn't change their school of residence within the district, right? No. If they go to a charter school and then decide that they don't want to go there, they go right back to their home school. And and just so that you guys know, there's no real application to come back to your home school. You have the right under law to come back to your home school at any time. That's correct. Um, but as we kind of kick off the month for kindergarten enrollment and transition kindergarten enrollment, um, there may be a lot of confusion out there about what my homeschool is. So where can folks go to find more information about what actual attendance zone they live in? Well, if you, they're on our website. So if you go to uh, the dnusd.org website on the, click the families tab. And then if you look on the families tab and scroll down on the left-hand side, uh, you'll see, or excuse me, scheduling and signups on the right-hand side. Uh, click interdistrict transfers. That'll take you to the interdistrict transfer page. On that page, on the left-hand side, uh, there's a link that says attendance zones. Uh, you can click that and type in your address, and that will tell you what attendance zone you are in. Perfect. And we'll make sure that we get a link to that on our website as well at the top of the page. So when you click on that, it pulls up a map of Del Norte, just so if you haven't already done that. And that that map shows you um, different colored attendance zones, and you can kind of scroll in and take a look. Remember, though, if you have a high school child, Del Norte High is the only comprehensive high school in the county, so it's the whole county uh, for the for the purposes of high school. Um, but, you know, that does bring up another question, Jeff, because we have a lot of kids from Oregon that will come down, um, from Brookings, from I think we've even had one from close to Cave Junction, you know, on this side or close to the border. Um, if somebody from Oregon is interested in coming, what's the process for them to get into one of our schools kind of before we dive into our own intra-district process? That's called an intrastate transfer agreement, and that's between the superintendents um, of our school district and then the school district uh, either in Grants Pass or Cave Junction or Brookings. And the parent goes to their school in Oregon first and requests the paperwork. They have their superintendent sign it. And then that's sent down to us and we'll review it and sign it. And we look at that because there's a ADA exchange. So we pay, if our students go there, we end up paying the school district. And if their students come here, they end up paying us for that. Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting, you know, out of 
26, 27 years of working in schools, this is the only place I've ever worked with interstate transfers. Right. We actually have probably usually about nine to 12 student Delaware yeah. County students that go to Oregon because uh, they live right on the borders. Especially we have a group that live way up um, close, to O'Brien. close to O'Brien. Right. And so they go there. Yeah, no, it's it's really kind of interesting because, but between us and Brookings, we do kind of almost trade students. Correct. A lot yeah. of it has to do with parents' working arrangements. Parents um, that live close to the border and work in Oregon like to take their students there, and and vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah. So, um, so let's go back to the intra district part. So, we have why you know in Del Norte, I, I've been in a lot of other districts, and the intra district or the inter district transfer. Um, really wasn't that big of a deal, except for one district I worked in where most of the kids didn't actually live there. Almost 70% of the kids lived other places and they came to this one school, um, which was really kind of unique. But in Del Norte, we're all part of the same district. What are some of the most common reasons that you get for students wanting to go to other schools? Um, I'll believe it or not, a lot of it is the parents went to that school and had a great experience there and they want their child to have that same experience. I mean, I think that's, there's a lot of pride in this community about what school the, the local people went to and they really like that. And every school has got a different characteristic. This, um, something I think is really unique to Delaware County is every school is truly different, even though they're one, we're one unified district, you know, Smith river has a totally different culture, the way that they, that they feel than best Maxwell does or Mary Peacock does. And I think there's just different things that parents like about different schools. Well, and we, we get a lot of students that go to different schools because, um, just because like where preschools are located too, right? So, you know, one of the things that I'll point everybody back to is that map, that attendance zone map. We always get families who their children will attend preschool at, let's say, Pine Grove or Mary Peacock or, or Joe Hamilton, um, but they actually live in a different school zone. And they think because they started preschool there that that's the school that their child will go to when they start kindergarten. But that's not exactly accurate. So, um, you know, just I think is I, I, my my piece of advice to families would be check out that attendance zone if you're enrolling your child in into a school, because otherwise you might miss out. Because And Jeff will tell us here, as far as enrollment goes. What's the most important piece of enrollment in order to apply for an interdistrict transfer? Well, you have to be enrolled at your school. Uh, the interdistrict transfer is for students that are enrolled in a school to go to another school within the district. If you're not enrolled in a school, you can't seek a transfer. You know, and every year I hear of a parent who says, "Well, I didn't enroll my child in school because I put in the interdistrict enrollment or the interdistrict transfer request." That's not going to cut it. Correct. Right. You have to enroll at your school, whether you hope that you go to a different school or not. Um, and, you know, Jeff, COVID, you've heard of COVID, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Jeff is our kind of COVID coordinator along with everything else he does. He does contact tracing and reporting and everything else. But um, we've had some families who have just said, you know, I'm not going to deal with the distance learning. I'm not going to deal with kind of the two day a week in person piece. I just need some peace and quiet or some sense of normalcy, or I just want to do whatever I think is best for my own child until school comes back full time every day. So they've, they've put in um, private school affidavits. So they're now their own private school. Um, 
what what does that mean for somebody that's coming back into the district uh, this coming August? Well, if a family filed a private school affidavit, they disenrolled their student from the district. So that student is no longer enrolled. If they were on an interdistrict transfer prior to disenrolling, they will, well, they're no longer enrolled. So they will have to start the process over again and reapply. Well, first they will have to enroll at a district school mm-hmm. And then they will have to apply for an interdistrict transfer back to the school of their choice. And that's not guaranteed, right? No, it's not guaranteed. We have to look at how many students are enrolled there, how many teach, you know, we're looking at class size and how much the school can hold. You know, there's a couple of schools that a lot of, a lot of people want to go there and we look at it by grade level. So we don't want to overload classes to make a bad educational experience for any child by having 40 kids in a class. Well, and especially now, too, with COVID, we're going to want to make sure that we're really balancing out classes. Because I know some of our schools used to say, you know what, we know that's our limit, but we can take a couple more. With COVID, I think we're going to have to be very cautious about how many more people we put in classrooms. Correct. And knowing the numbers and one of the reasons why we want people to enroll before they do an interdistrict transfer is so that we know the numbers of students. Because if we open up a school in a grade and say, okay, sixth grade at this particular school, um, there's only 12 kids enrolled there and we can fit 40. So we're going to go ahead and open up interdistrict transfers for that grade level and we approve 18 and then we find out that there were another 20 kids that lived in the zone who wanted to go there, but they hadn't enrolled. And so then we've overloaded that school. And then that starts a process of taking anybody on an interdistrict transfer, kind of on a seniority basis. The last one in would be the first one out and moving people back to their home schools, which we never want to do that. When a student starts at a school, we want them to stay there all year long as if we can, because that's in the best educational interest of the child. Absolutely. And, and we don't want to disrupt the education period. Because again, I'm going to go back to COVID. There's been enough disruption already, you know. Agreed. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I think one of the other things that was brought up too, is when when we talk about interdistrict transfers, has been distance learning. Because at the beginning of all this, we had a lot of families, well, about 12% of our families, who said, you know, we'd rather do distance learning than come back in person for a variety of reasons. and that number's held pretty much throughout the year. If somebody was attending a school on an interdistrict transfer and they went on full distance learning, are they going to have to put in again or are we honoring that that interdistrict transfer? No, they, they would not have to. If they went on to distance learning, they're still enrolled at their home school. Now, in some cases, we've hired some additional staff that may be working out of different schools. And so your child may have a teacher at a different site, but they're still enrolled in their home school. And all interdistrict transfers will be honored uh, for anybody who just stayed on distance learning. So basically, for anybody who, again, we'll just recap, if you kept your child enrolled in the district, in person or distance learning... Um, and you were already attending a school on an interdistrict transfer, that continues into next year. Correct. You're good to go. If you disenrolled your child and went to a private school affidavit or enrolled them at another school, which would be unenrolling them within the county, um, then the interdistrict transfer, has, if they were attending on interdistrict previously, is now gone. Correct. And that includes the charter schools. If they, right. if they went from 
uh, one of the district schools and decided that they were going to disenroll from the district and go to a charter school, they would have to go through the lottery process again. Right. So if, if there was a child who lived in the Mary Peacock zone, went to a Castle Rock, but had been going to Best Maxwell on an inter-district transfer, um, and they decided to come back to school in the district, they would not go back to Best Maxwell. They would have to go back to Mary Peacock and then enroll and then put in an inter-district transfer. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about the lottery process because, again, that's a process a few years ago that changed. Um, it used to be, tell me if I'm wrong, it used to be where families would put in the inter-district lottery application. The lottery was held in the spring. And then anybody, once the lottery was established, or lottery list, I should say, was established, anybody else who put in a an application after that just got added to the list kind of as the applications come in. Um what does that process look like now? All right. Correct. We used to have what's kind of like the perpetual waiting list. Uh, the law is really clear on the lottery application for interdistrict transfers. And so what we do now is we have, uh, we took this problem to the board. The board said, well, let's do two lotteries. So we have the first lottery in March, which is going on right now. And that will end March, the end, last day of March, which is the 31st, I believe. And the drawing will be on April 9th. So, so, so just so folks know, April 9th is over spring break. That's correct. Uh, school is not in session, but uh, the district office is open that day. And so we will be doing the drawing on April 9th. So again, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you one more time. I just want folks to be clear. That's over spring break. So if you wait to the last minute to bring in your, your um, lottery form, the last day is Wednesday, March 31st. That drawing will be held a week and a half later on Friday, March 9th, but your school will not be open on that day. So you can log in remotely, I believe, and watch the lottery occur. Hadn't thought about that, but we we could do that if you want. We normally don't have that. Yeah, we'll, we'll have it open so okay. you can watch. <laughs> okay, so if you, if you want to watch numbers being pulled from a hat. <laughs> and now we, and so we took that to the board. The board uh, established that we'll have a second lottery because the education code says that for interdistrict transfers, there has to be a lottery. We can't just put people onto a waiting list. So the second lottery is a deadline, has a deadline of July 30th. So if you miss the first lottery deadline, you can put in an application as long as we have it before July 30th. And that drawing is on August 19th. Now, anybody that's in that second lottery immediately goes behind anyone who was on a waiting list from the first lottery. So let's say that you your child was sixth grade and they wanted to attend Redwood in the first lottery and there wasn't enough room initially to put them into Redwood. So they're on the waiting list for Redwood based on their lottery number. Anybody that received sixth grade for Redwood in the second lottery would go behind that person. So if you're in on the first lottery, you have a much better chance. Now, that being said, Every school has different grade levels that are impacted. Some schools are really impacted at third and sixth grade. Other schools can be impacted at seventh or at fourth grade. So just because one grade is closed at a school doesn't mean that all grades will be closed. So again, I, I think it's really important that folks, you know, if you have a question, um, give Jeff and his office a call because you may hear, my child got into this school um, and the parents said, but why didn't mine? It's not about the school. 
It's about the grade level. It's about the number of students that are enrolled there who live there or who have been attending already on interdistrict transfers. Um, there are a lot of different things that go into it, but we do place based on the lottery. Correct. So, Jeff, the other thing, too, is so you do two lotteries. What happens to somebody in September who then comes back and says, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'd like my child to go to a different school. Is there another lottery at that point? No, we can't do that. Uh, we, After the second lottery, we can't uh, honor interdistrict transfers. So we don't do a, another lottery. Yeah, so at that point, what, what are the options? How, how can a parent go about that, making that request? Uh, well, they could, their options are they could stay at their home school. If they had gotten into a transfer mm -hmm. and to another school and they decided they didn't like it, they can return to their home school. That's always their right. If there's extenuating circumstances, uh, they can kind of file an appeal with my office, and then I will discuss it to determine what would be the, in the best interest of the child. There is a, a single-year assignment to a site, which is not a transfer. It doesn't keep going on forever, but based on circumstances, we have assigned allowed students to attend a site for the remainder of a year, such as one thing that happens a lot, people will move mid-year. And so uh, they're happy at their home school, but then they move out of zone. Mm -hmm. So technically, they should be on an interdistrict transfer to stay at their home school. They will send my office a request and we'll look at it and say, we don't want to move a, a child out of their classroom just because the parents moved to a new school zone. So we will allow that student on that assignment, the one-year assignment to stay at the school. Now, if the parents want the child to be at that school the following year, they'll have to go through the interdistrict transfer process. So that's pretty important. So if a Joe Hamilton family moves from Joe Hamilton attendance area to a Best Maxwell attendance area, for the remainder of the year, they could continue at Joe. They, they have to request it, but Correct. They could, but the following year they have to put in for the lottery. That's correct. So I think that's really important for anybody who may be listening to the podcast who has moved. If you don't know what district you currently live in and you haven't notified your school because of distance learning or whatever it is, check that attendance zone um, because we want to make sure that you get into that lottery. Um, I think the other thing, Jeff, too, as we talk about this, just kind of moving forward, um, when we look at high schools, so Del Norte High is the only high school in town, uh, the only comprehensive high school, but then we also have Sunset and we have um, uh, Community School as well as Castle Rock. If a parent says, I, I'd rather enroll my child at Sunset, what does that look like? Uh, Sunset has a different enrollment process. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of all of the uh, requirements for Sunset, but I know that uh, I, they have to be 16. Uh, I think they need to be credit deficient or at risk of uh, not being able to graduate high school. Um, and so they usually work that through, I believe, the counseling office at the high school and then applying to Sunset. Yeah, so it's a little different process. So um, we've all heard great things about Del Norte High, about Sunset, about Castle Rock. Um, but just remember, Sunset does have some different criteria, some different restrictions, um, because it is a, a, a continuation high school. Community school, however, is a little bit different because community school, you can request to go to. It, it's, a, it's a comprehensive community school that's available as an alternative. Um, but we would still 
probably like to work with your child's current school to make sure that would be a good fit um, and that we'd be able to move forward on that front. Uh, Del Norte High, though, if they're if they're moving up from a Redwood or a Smith River or a Mountain or a Crescent Elk, is there anything else that a family needs to do, or do they automatically, are they automatically just enrolled at Del Norte High? They they automatically roll. The eighth graders automatically roll to Del Norte High School. So the counselors should have met with all the eighth graders prior to, and they should have already received all the information, gotten their classes prior to school ever starting. So. I think if, if if you are the parent of an eighth grader looking at a high school um, experience for your child next year, um, counselors, if they haven't already, will be meeting with the kids probably pretty soon. I think they've already started that process, um, but that's just uh, in Aries. I don't know if families can see it, but in the next school field, most of those just show Del Norte High. Um, so your kid automatically moves into that. Um and then, but I think so do uh, students from um, uh, USA. Correct. Right. So that shows us their their next school. So Jeff, in the final few minutes here, is there anything else you'd like to share about interdistrict transfers that folks really need to know? Well, it's really important for uh, kindergartners and TK parents to understand that they need to enroll at their home schools first. We need to have an accurate count of the number of kindergartners because we definitely don't want to overload kindergarten classes. So we need enroll as soon as you can, get into the system, and then put your interdistrict transfer in because we need to balance those classes as early as possible. Now, this year with all the COVID masks and everything going on and trying to get a really accurate count of students, we may not be allowing inter, any interdistrict transfers until after school starts to actually see what the kid, how many kids there are, who is actually showing up because our, our district numbers have dropped quite a bit this year. And some of those kids, we're not sure where they're at. And if all of a sudden we have a bunch of kids that we didn't expect to show up, we need to have room for them at their home schools. So again, I think it goes back to what you said a little bit earlier, and that is register at your homeschool first. Right now we're into TK and kinder registration, but we'll take any registration for next year if your child has not already been enrolled in our schools. Um, Correct. Even people that are on private school affidavits currently, they can fill out the paperwork to enroll for next year at their local school site. They, that doesn't mean they have to come back to school right now, but they will be enrolled for next year. So get the enrollments in, get your interdistrict transfer in. If you're interested in an interdistrict transfer, um, you still have today's March 1st. It's due in 30 days on March 31st. Um, and then those drawings will happen on April 9th. So, all right, Jeff, anything else you'd want to add? I, I think we covered a lot of it. I think we did. All right. Uh, I hope everybody uh, watches the lottery because it's it's very exciting. It's riveting. Yes. <laughs> we, we pull out numbers and then we the students are assigned a number and a rank. So that's pretty much it. And, and I don't think we say any student names where anybody's going to be able <laughs> no, to hear. There so are, there it'll are just no be numbers. Yes, just yeah, numbers. Just no, It'll kind of be like watching a lottery drawing on TV on Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> the most important part will be what you can see afterwards. So, um, again, we thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to our podcast today, and we hope that everyone has a safe and healthy weekend. 